the Stranger Things podcast, season two, episode seven, The Lost Sister. Put that gun down. Stay back. Stay back. Daryl, your money is insured. We are only stealing from the war criminal billionaires who own this place. You won't even lose a dime. Stay back. We're on the same side. I promise. Stay back. Damn, Charlie. Greetings, salutations, howdy y'all, welcome you sound like mom. <laughs> to the Stranger Things podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. <laughs> I'm Daryl. And I'm Addie. And I'm wondering if Addison is going to sit three feet from a microphone the entire episode and then rush into it. And yell into it at the last second for the entire duration or just during this opening part while she's chewing on a fun dip stick. Because they're 20 times better than the powder. Look, the, the fun dip sticks are amazing in and of themselves. There's no question. So uh, let me ask you, since we're talking about fun dip sticks, have you ever just opened a fun dip packet, poured the powder straight down your your throat and then just nod on the fun dip stick? For a longer period of time? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe is that what you're doing right now? I'll take that silence as a yes. That's <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not judging you or I'm I'm not saying that that's, that's uh, wrong. I'm just trying to get a little confession out of you. So how are you doing, Addie? Muy bien. Very good. You too? Uh, bien. Gracias. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> Addie and I need to uh, start working on our Spanish because we just found out this no, week. No, no, no. You need to. Well, you're not like fluent in it. More fluent or than you. There's no doubt. We just found out this week that we are going back to Guatemala in the summer of 2018. And we're really excited about that. And and I'm the one, I'm the one that has been in a Spanish class since August. Mm-hmm. And I've been learning new things. And I was also the one that did Duolingo during the summer and you didn't. So, well, that's true. I did try a Spanish podcast, but I couldn't understand it. So I need to find something else. But anyway, that's not why folks have tuned in to the podcast Duolingo. today. I need to do, you're right. I do need to try that. And uh, we're so glad that you've hit that play button and are, are still with us, even though we've been talking about fun dip and Spanish for the last two minutes or so. So we'll try to get this thing rain back in and talk about season two, episode seven of Stranger Things, The Lost Sister. Addie and I were, were just talking briefly before we hit the record button about this episode. You know, I work really hard to stay spoiler free. And I, I think I mentioned that just about every week. And this week I spoke at a new media panel here locally. There was a luncheon for business owners and they invited me to come and speak about podcasting. And while I was there, before it started, I just picked a table and I sat down. There was a guy there and we start talking about, hey, what do you do? And he asked me what I do. And that, so that, of course, got us talking about podcasting and that got us talking about TV shows. And I had my Stranger Things bracelet on. I don't I guess I left it uh, on my nightstand, but I don't have it on now, but I did at the time. And uh, so we start talking about Stranger Things and he starts to tell me something. I'm like, hang on. 
I hate to interrupt you, but I need you to know this is the format of our show. My daughter watches the whole thing. She binges it. She's seen the whole thing. I watch it episode to episode. I've only seen through episode seven. So if you're going to talk about something beyond that, then we can't because I have to stay spoiler free. And he was like, cool. I actually wanted to ask you about episode seven because that one was like really controversial and people got really upset about it. And I'm like, this is the first I'd heard. Cause like, like I said, online, I, I try really hard to stay out of the conversations, which, which I hate because I want to be a part of those conversations, but I can't. So that was kind of the first that I had heard that this episode was not liked by a whole lot of fans. Um, we're going to talk about our thoughts on the episode as we, as we walk through it. But uh, that surprised me, so I think that it probably goes without saying that I liked the episode. Addie, what about what about you? I also liked it. I've, I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't think you've ever met a Stranger Things episode that you didn't like. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. So, but we we opened up the uh, Facebook well, as we do every week, and we say, "Hey, you know, let's talk about this episode." And we got a lot of discussion on it this week. We'll be sharing that in our listener feedback segment, but I'm looking forward to talking about it. Certainly a different episode uh, of the show and a different style, but we had no 11 last week, nothing but 11 this week. So I guess that evens out. All right. Addison's almost done with her fun dip stick. So I'm going to tell you that this episode was written by Justin Doble, who also wrote uh, episode three of this season, the Polywog, And he also wrote the bathtub uh, episode seven from last season and the body episode seven or episode four from last season. And this one was directed by Rebecca Thomas. And this is her first time getting behind the director's chair, or getting on the director's chair. So welcome, Rebecca, to the world of Stranger Things. And how are they related? Um, <laughs> they are both uh, avid Stranger Things fans. Me too. Me they, too. they are siblings of Strange. All right. Well, we're going to here's the roadmap for today's episode. We're going to do a brief episode recap, which we get the, the, the text of which we get from the folks over at the Stranger Things fan wiki, which is strangerthings.wikia.com. We're going to spend the majority of our time talking about the episode. So we have some long episode discussion where we break down scene by scene, kind of our, our, our thoughts on everything. And we'll give it an episode rating. We will share listener feedback in a segment we call Notes from the Upside Down. And then, of course, after that, we are going to do the quote of the week, which is something that Addie picks out along with that opening quote that you've already heard. She picked that out as well. And then we're going to do some news and rumors. We have some really exciting news and some unexciting news. Or not unexciting, some I don't know. Uh, Addie, I don't think you've scrolled down to it yet. Don't until we get there. I want to I want to get your raw reaction on that first headline. Don't do it. Uh, maybe <laughs> some disappointing scrolling. news. Um, and then we'll do we'll, we'll wrap it up with the May of the week. Meme. That's what I said. No, it's not. Meme of the week. No. All right. Well, I will work on my pronunciation. No, you won't. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) While you listen to the episode recap. Eleven's psychic connection with Terry shows her that Eleven was not always alone in Hawkins National Laboratory. Terry kept records on other missing children and Becky gives them to Eleven. She recognizes one of the girls from the vision and tracks the girl to Chicago. Eleven finds the girl and her friends in a rundown industrial area. The girl is Kali, and she has the number 008 tattooed on her wrist. Kali's abilities create powerful illusions in people's minds that they are convinced are real. Kali helps Eleven control her powers further 
and then to join her gang on a mission. The gang has been tracking down employees of Hawkins' lab, people who have been complicit in hurting Kali as a child. Eleven tracks one down and they storm his apartment. He does not recognize Kali and Eleven until Kali uses her powers to show him what they looked like as children. They are about to kill him when the other members of the gang find his two daughters in the apartment and they have called the police. Eleven cannot kill him after that and she stops Kali from doing the same. The police arrive and the gang escapes. Back at their hideout, Kali torments Eleven with a vision of Dr. Martin Brenner. In the void, Eleven sees Mike and Hopper at Hawkins' lab. The police find the gang's hideout and storm it, but Kali uses her powers to help them escape. Eleven refuses to go with them and leaves to save her friends. Okie dokie. Really short. Maybe the shortest of, well, of, that we've ever done with that one. Does not mean that there was no shortage of happenings in this episode. Let's talk about them. So I'm really intrigued here because this uh, normally our routine for putting together the notes is I go in and put in all of my notes and then Addison will come in and like the day of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not always, but you're getting better at doing it ahead of time. Uh, and she'll kind of watch the episode and see what I've put in and see if there's anything other, else that she wants to talk about and put those in. But because she and I had some crazy scheduling this week, she was kind of forced to put her notes in first. No, I just wanted to have a sleepover with my friends. Well, I mean, that was part of the scheduling conflict. And so um, anyway, she put in all of her notes and then I came in and kind of peppered in uh, some other things that I want to do. So that means Addison is driving the boat this week. And if you've ever you know, stalked uh, either of us on Facebook, you're, you're probably aware that Addie's really good at driving boats. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, goes. Addison, where, how are we going to get things kicked off here? I'm Daryl and I'm going <laughs> to start the discussion. That's that, what you do, right? Is that what I do? I don't know. What do I do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I noticed you spilled coffee on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I noticed you choked on fun dip powder. I didn't choke on it. I just inhaled it. <laughs> okay. So the episode opens with Eleven seeing her mom's memories and and like all the words she kept repeating, mm-hmm. um, like breathe for the left, like you know stuff like that. I think that was not it was not for the left. I think it was like three to the left, four to the right. That sounds right. I, I should know this. We've heard it. We've heard it probably fifty times. Yeah, and then like sunflower, rainbow, four fifty, you know stuff stuff like that. Right. So they all have like a meaning now. And um, then she, like, talks about the girl in the rainbow room uh, or, like, shows her. So Eleven talks to her aunt about it. So Becky asked Eleven to describe her, and she just says different. So then she takes her to the files and just, like, gives them to her. And um, she finds one that looks like the girl in the rainbow room. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting how they handled this because... Eleven, in many ways, is like a toddler, you know, because she hasn't been exposed to a lot of things. So like when you and your brother, you know, our whole family is white. I mean, your your uncle Nathan has has dated some women like he dated a woman who was half black, half uh, Filipino. The one he's dating now is black. So there's been a few people in our lives that have had darker skin. But even back then. Like the first time you guys saw, I don't remember if it was you or Colby saw 
or not necessarily you saw a black person, but you noticed, you know, and you said they have brown skin. You know, you didn't know what to like. This was something new. You didn't know what to. You just kind of used the best words you had to say what's different about this person. And now, like at your school, I think you have a lot of friends that are, are different ethnicities and stuff like yep. that. But just thinking about where you were, you know, when you were three years old, for example. And just I don't learning remember how to, that. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, just learning how to talk and, and express yourself and, and wonder about things and the innocence was there. That's kind of where she's at. She doesn't necessarily know how to describe eight. It's that she's different. And I, I really appreciated that about this scene. Um, what I thought was really weird was, what's her, what's her, what's her aunt's name? Becky. Becky, thank you. <laughs> so they're there at the filing cabinet. And rather than just hand the files to Eleven, she's just like, Throws them onto the floor and then oh, Yote. <laughs> yeah, I was I left I was gonna say it and I thought I would leave it open for you. I don't I, it's not a big deal. It's just rude, I thought. Just let me throw these on the floor so you can then pick them up and look through them. <laughs> so you can then pick them up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but Eleven doesn't really isn't able to find anything. We see it in this episode a couple of times where she's getting communicated with or, or she's discovering things through dreams. And help me remember is this have we have we seen her use dreams in the past or was this the first time we'd really seen her be able to glean really good information through dreams i think there was like whenever she was at like hopper's cabin or something but i don't really remember okay i don't remember either and i certainly didn't think to look it up which i wish i would have but certainly i'm going to use certainly multiple times in this sentence because certainly it's a great word and in this episode, like I said, we saw it here. We'll see it again with um, with Hopper's message that she sees. Dreams are, are interesting. And I've got a couple other things I want to talk about that, but we'll wait till we get to those specific scenes. But yeah, she finds eight in the dream and goes to tell Becky about it. Whenever she goes to find Becky, she notices that she's like on the phone. So she's just kind of like listening. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't like what she's saying. So she just like takes some stuff and leaves and then like as soon as it happens becky realizes it and like goes chasing after her but doesn't reach her obviously and um yeah it's your note yeah i mean my note is this this quote or i don't know if it's an exact quote i did put quotation marks around it becky says there's another girl and she's missing and i think she's in trouble so does that mean i don't know i don't know what, what to I don't want to overread into this. <laughs> I've been guilty of in the past, but I think it could mean that Becky just doesn't believe Eleven that she is who she, who she says she is, which seems crazy because she's seen some pretty incredible things with the nosebleeds that match her mom's and some other things like that. But maybe she just doesn't believe her or maybe she just doesn't want to tell Flo that she has the girl. I don't know, but it seems like she might not believe that Eleven is actually Jane. Because she says they came here last year asking about Terry's daughter and there's another girl here and she's missing and I think she's in trouble. Hmm. I thought she was talking about Callie or something and Callie was the one that was missing and in trouble. Well, maybe she did. Maybe she did. That's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I'm glad you mentioned that because that had not thought about it. What I loved though was that when Eleven leaves... Uh, Terry has changed the TV to be channel eight because she knows that Jane is going to look for eight. Aw. 
Oh, and it made nice. me think of Lost because eight's a Lost number. Okay. This is me shaking my head at you. I see that. I see that. All right. So what happens next? What do you want to talk about next? Okay. So Eleven gets on a bus and the song Runaway is playing by Bon Jovi. Yeah. So whenever she's in the bus, she just like kind of reviews what's going on. She like holds a picture. Okay. After she gets off the bus, she's like uh, looking around the city and then she ends up finding like this sketchy place with like a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she finds the building. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out that Runaway was playing by Bon Jovi. I'm very proud of you for that. So just as a little aside here, Addie and I went dress shopping yesterday for her. I don't particularly uh, find myself wearing dresses at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you had your winter winter formal last night. Can I show them my Polaroid? Um, in the camera, yeah. Yes. If you want to. So those of you who are watching on the live stream, you can see my Polaroid. Is it? Um we're we're on our way to go to the mall, and then I uh, we're, we're talking about the music, and so we we uh, fired up "Runaway" by Bon Jovi, and then we fired up "Round and Round" from Rat that we heard in the previous episode, and then I said, "So what'd you think?" And Addie said, "I liked it, yeah. but I liked Runaway more than uh, Round and Round." Yeah, I liked it better too. So, but I I was just happy that you liked music from the eighties. So of course. Well, not everybody does. I mean, it's it's definitely got like a dated 90s style music to it. too, though. I, I like Nirvana. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. They're on the bus. Runaway's playing. She finds a sketchy part of town. She she enters this rundown building and she finds a group of people. Of course, this is Kali and her group. Um, this was really interesting. So that she when she walks in and they start giving her a hard time, they start making fun of her. Eleven seemed to be pretty. Like she wasn't phased by all that. And that was really cool. Cause I mean, I don't know if again, that's just her innocence or if, if she's just that confident in herself, I don't know what it was about her that really, but she got made fun of a lot by the group and she didn't seem to hold it against them. And she didn't really seem to be phased by it either. And I thought that was really cool. Did you notice that? Yeah. And she didn't like try to fight back or anything. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she handled it really maturely. So she shows, the picture of Kali or Kali. How's it? I think it's Kali. So it was Kali. Okay, whatever. So she shows the picture of her to her friends. And if I were Kali, I would be kind of upset. Like, you just showed a baby picture <laughs> to my friends. I didn't think of that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's like all I could think of. But um, <laughs> they were just like, whoa, it's Kali. Okay. So then um, he like starts seeing like spiders all over his arm. And then she's like on the stairs and uh, she just says nice dance moves. Yeah. I got to tell you, if I was Axel and I thought I saw spiders on my arm, I would be dancing too. That would freak me right out. Well, okay. I would try to like wipe it off or like smash it or something. And then if nothing happens, I'd just be like, okay, it's just Kali messing with me again. Uh, yeah. You would think like he the would logical know. thing to do. Yeah. So then they um, compare their arm tattoos which um, whenever somebody used to look at it, like on 11, she would always like pull it back and like yeah. kind of hide it, like how she did it with Mike and with Benny. Um, but now she's just like actually like showing it to each other. And then they have like their little arms together, just like comparing it. Yeah, there's definitely that instant connection. Like, you know, she calls her sister and she says that she's home. And uh, yeah, it's a really... 
it's a really good scene. I mean, um, I love that they, you know, they embrace and I just felt like this really must have been a, a very relieving moment for both of them, especially, well, I don't say especially for either because each in their own way, Kali has been out in the world longer because she's older and has felt alone. But at the same time, Eleven has been a prisoner her entire life and has felt alone and like she can't trust anybody, although she has found a few people along the way she can trust. So this had to have been just incredibly uh, relieving for, for both of you. You can see how this would cause them to kind of instantly bond and connect. Yeah. Although Kali pretty much also, also instantly, I think tries to explain, to, to think about how she can use 11, even exploit 11 to her advantage, which we'll talk more about as we walk through this episode. But I mean, that happens like almost immediately. I mean, as soon as she puts 11 to bed, you know, she comes down to the gang and starts talking about how they're going to use 11 to their advantage. <laughs> Rip 11. Yeah. Um, yeah. They start like talking about their powers and stuff. And she like, Shows Eleven, like the butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I did too. And Callie says that she's whole now. Like she felt like there was something missing and now that Eleven's there, she's whole. I just think it's funny how many times people have said to Eleven, this is your home now or something along the lines of that. Because mm-hmm. you had Hopper, Becky, and well, Mike, Mike was first, mm-hmm. but I don't think he actually said that, but she lived there, so... And then now Callie's just like, this is your home now. Yeah. <laughs> so she has like four houses, you know, just lives everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I mean, she has no home. At this point, she might feel like the cabin is going to be her home. But of course, things are kind of crazy in, in Hawkins right now. But yeah, you're right about that. Uh, so when Eleven goes to to bed, I think she has to dream. I think this is where she has to dream. Uh, about Hopper's message. And yeah, because Callie wakes her up and it's like the next morning. Um, so I have a question for you. Okay. When we've seen Eleven go into the void and see things a bunch, we've seen that all throughout last season and this season. That's where I think she first saw the Demogorgon, in fact. So Every time that we've seen that, it was my understanding that she was kind of living it in real time. So she's there, she's seeing something, and what she's seeing is happening right now. The Russian spy, even when when Brenner was use, was using that to his advantage. So in this episode, we see her go into the void twice. Once is here to see Hopper's message from when he went out to his pickup truck. Uh, on a, his car, whatever, just struck last episode and was apologizing to her. And then later in the episode, it's it's when Hopper, you know, is in the kind of kind of control room, and then Mike uh, is trying to burst in and warn them. So my question to you is: Does she have the ability to kind of see beyond time? We know that she's got the ability to see beyond space. That's the one of the cool things we've always seen about and understood about her going into the void. But you know, did she did she dream about this because that dream was taking place at the exact moment that Hopper was giving it? And then later in the episode, did she see Mike? 
because she just went to the void at the exact time that he was giving, you know, that that was happening. And if so, wow, that's incredibly lucky timing. Or does she have the ability to see beyond time and space? Because if so, which I think maybe based on this episode, it looks like she can. I mean, that's, that's way more powerful than I thought that it was. I was just kind of thinking that she was just like replaying it in her head. Right. But if, and if, and if that's the case, that means that she can see back through time to something that already happened. Right? I guess. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, write, it, write in or, or comment on our Facebook page. Let us know. Do you think she has the ability to see through time or back through time? Maybe not forward through time, but maybe back through time. I don't know. I think that's a pretty interesting idea. So see what you think. Okay. Okay. What do you want to talk about next? So it's like in the morning and Eleven is brought to like a rundown train track uh, with like a sideways train and Kali makes her like bring it to them. And it kind of reminds me of, just kidding, that's your note. You can have it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I, I just said it reminded me of, of Yoda and Luke. When, <laughs> when Luke goes to the Dagobah system and is trained by Yoda. That's, that's what it reminded me of here. You know, find the anger, focus on that, focus on that. Not its weight is what Kali says. Uh, I thought it was interesting what, Eleven thinks of. So Kali tells her, you got to get anger or you got to get angry, find the anger and focus on that. And the first thing that we see is Max in that scene with Mike. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was funny. I knew it was going to happen. Just like, oh, she's she's going to bring up Max and Mike. Yeah. I mean, we're not surprised. We knew that it upset her. That's why she made Max fall off the skateboard. <laughs> you mean she yoked her off the skateboard? Yeah. But we also saw Hopper, and when she was imprisoned, we saw her mom and a few other things that kind of flashed through her mind to kind of to kind of get her motivation. And it works; she's able to move the train car. Okay, so then <laughs> Eleven finds the man who hurt her mom and Callie, and his name is Ray. I remember his name, and I didn't have the note there. That's really good. I didn't remember his name. I mean, I know I have it, like, later, but... So then they, like, give her a new edgy look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so they, like, brush her hair back and, like, put on, like... It looks like charcoal, but it's it's black eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, pretty much the opposite of what uh, Mike did to her. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> season yeah. one, episode four. Oh, yeah. That, 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 there's a Funko Pop with this one. There's going to be. It comes out supposedly this month. I mean, we're not we're not even halfway through the month yet, but yeah. So there's some new Funko Pops coming out. One is Dustin, and he has a little baby dart with him, and like the tadpole, uh, polywog, polywog. Thank you, dart. And then Eleven with her punk look, which is fantastic. So I can't wait for those. The Eleven. Punk Look is a an exclusive to BoxLunch.com, which I had never heard of, but keep your eye out there. Okay. Yeah. W- what'd you think of the look, though? I don't know. I kind of liked... I, I liked her old look better, like with her like short curls and her 
farmer's outfit. Yeah. I never really even thought about it being a farmer's outfit until they start making fun of her. And I'm like, yeah, okay. but I mean, overalls, overalls were popular when we were in like junior high and high school in the ni- late eighties, nineties. And they're back in fashion. Now you've got a pair of overalls. I see that we, when we were at the mall yesterday, they're, they're back in style and stores are selling them again. So, but this yeah. is the eighties, of course, 84. So I don't know what, what, I guess they weren't really fashionable then. Which would make sense. I mean, it's been 20 years since I was in high school and now they're back. So this would have been, I'm, I doubt they were in style in the 80s. I like the look. I, I don't know that I wanted to say this way, but it's a really cool look. And the, the folks who put together this costume, the costume designers for the show do a really good job. And this is a look that that's, it really fits her well. It, I didn't think it was too over the top. You know, it's another one of those that's going to be really easy to cosplay. In fact, it's probably going to be easier to cosplay than the the pink dress. Like the pink dress, you kind of have to go buy one somewhere because there's plenty of people who have companies who have made one. But if you want to get it right, you're going to have to sew it yourself or go buy a pre-made one where this is a look that you can create on your own with some off the rack stuff. So Yeah, edgy. Yeah. So I liked it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's okay. So then they go to the gas station and they start like stealing stuff. I thought that was really funny. Like she was just like, we're on your side. We're not trying to do like she's she's good at that. Um, I mean, it obviously didn't work because then like the police were coming. But yeah, um, I thought it was funny how like Eleven just like yote the man, <laughs> the man into the um, coolers, the coolers. Yeah. And they all like broke. <laughs> I loved it how she made it look like the toilet was overflowing. No, that was cool too. No, I'm, I was about 11 though. As she, she goes to grab the apple and she seems pretty, you know, pretty happy with that. And then she sees the egos and she's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that was funny. Which reminded me of Hopper, right? I mean, Flo gave him an apple and then he took one bite of it, spit it out and then grabbed the donuts. So <laughs> me, <laughs> if there's one thing that Hopper and 11 seem to have in common, it's their sweet tooth. Although she likes egos, even if there is no, um, syrup on them. Yeah, they're good. They are good. They're one, better one, than like whole wheat. So you remember last week I, I got a little car nerdy and I talked about the wheels that were on the van of Bauman, right? Mm hmm. And I said, I'm keeping my eye out for a Supra or a Celica of this era in all the cars. Well, guess what we saw this week uh, across the street from the gas station? Um, There's a Toyota Supra across the street. It's either 86 or 87 model. That's right. There was a Toyota Supra. I know you're reading my note. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. There was finally a Toyota Supra, but it was... Yeah, this is 84, and this was clearly... So in 86, I won't get totally nerdy. In 86, Toyota rolled out the new body style of the Supra, the the Mark III, but it wasn't ready for the beginning of the model year. So there was half of the year where they sold the Mark II with a slight modification to, to meet new safety standards for for the rear brake light. And then in the middle of the year, they switched to the new body style. And so there's when you buy an 86 Toyota Celica, you might... You just you can look by you tell by looking at them, but there's an old body style and a new body style. That was the new body style that they rolled out halfway through 1986, and it looked pretty much the same in 87 too. So 
I don't know what year it was, 86 or 87. Definitely would not have been around in 1984. <clears throat> Rip. Yeah, that's okay. I still like it. But I love the gas station scene. Uh, I love that uh, the guy's name was Daryl. Huh? I'm pretty sure that's a shout out to me. You spelled your own name wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the subtitles, his name was mine is D A double L, and his was almost spelled your name wrong again. His was spelled D A double single L. So I guess maybe it's not named after me. Me as an L. Okay. So after this, where they go to the 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 what did you say his name was Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go to his place. It's uh, after dark. They all put on masks. Did the masks remind you or of anything? I know we saw the masks in the first episode of the season, but... I thought it was funny how they made Eleven wear a baby doll, and mm-hmm. she's the youngest one there. Yeah, I thought about that, too. I mean, she could have chosen it, but uh, I just thought that was kind of funny because she's, you know, the youngest one, and she's wearing a baby. I thought it was also kind of creepy. And... Kind of remind me of like Friday the 13th a little bit. I mean, the mask obviously wasn't like a hockey mask, but right. uh, he wears a mask and they did too. So, okay. I thought you might have said it reminded you of the that movie that just came out that your brother went to with his friends. Oh, Happy Death Day. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that. Uh, what it reminded me of is a movie called The Strangers, which, you know, Stranger Things. This is a movie called The Strangers, which came out a few years ago. They're actually making a second one. But in that one, there's three uh, killers. The guy wears kind of a burlap scarecrow type of mask. And the two ladies that are with him, they each wear masks that are kind of doll-faced masks. And so that's what reminded me of um, with these masks here. That would be super creepy, though, wouldn't it? If you're sitting there watching TV, all of a sudden people break into your house and they're all wearing these kind of children's masks and baby doll masks. It'd be creepy enough that people break into your house, but the fact that they're wearing these types of masks, I think, would make it that much more creepy. Yeah, that'd be really creepy. If you didn't even see it coming. <laughs> so what happened? Let's, let's talk about this scene here with, with what happens. So Dottie and Axel go into his room because they asked him where his wallet was. And Axel takes the wallet and Dottie takes the pills while Callie and Eleven confront Ray. I'm just reading my note word for word. Um, L slams him into the wall and then, um, he says that he was just like following directions. He just was doing what Brenner told him to do. And he says that he thought she was sick and he was just helping her. And he also claims that Brenner's alive. So Eleven starts to kill him, but then like... Okay, this scene was, like, kind of creepy because, like, she's, like, dragging him, like, half dead through uh, through the house. And then all of a sudden, y- you just, like, see a picture. And I thought the girl... So, he was in the middle. There was one girl on the left and then one girl on the right. Obviously, since that's what being in the middle means, there's two people on either <laughs> side of you. So, um, the girl on, like, the right side, um, like, if you're looking at the picture on the right side, um, the girl kind of reminded me of Eleven. Oh, like I thought that too. Whenever, like, whenever I first watched the episode and then watching it again, I still think it. Well, I didn't notice that, but I, I mean, I mean, obviously she's not. But I'd like to go back and look at that and and compare the two now. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about Brenner. You know, you mentioned it that he says that Brenner is still alive. I mean, what do you think? Is is Brenner still alive, or is he just not aware that Brenner died the year before? I think it's the second one because he lives in Chicago now. Like he doesn't even live in Hawkins, so I don't, I don't think he really knows. Yeah, I mean that's what I want to say too, but at the same time I feel like they can't the writers I mean, they can't do that. They can't just make this line in here. They can't put this line in here about Brenner still being alive when he's not. I mean, it just would seem kind of weak to me. I know that Callie exploited that to her advantage or tried to later in the episode, but I don't know. I think it means that I think it's opening up the door for Brenner to come back and be alive, Maybe. which would make you right. You said all along he was still alive. He could be, but I don't know. Whenever. Okay. So like later in the episode, whenever um, Callie like makes her see Brenner, mm-hmm. it like scared me because I actually, I actually thought like whenever I first watched the episode, I thought he was actually there. Mm. But, I mean, I didn't think he was there, like, the whole time. Just, like, after a couple seconds, I was like, oh, it's just in her head. Right. But, yeah, at first I was like, whoa, how how did he find them? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I also wanted to ask you... uh, Okay, so the scene where we see the two girls that are hiding in the back room, like, they didn't know they were there. Eleven didn't do a very good job of, of making sure the house was clean. She just made sure the room was clean or... He was alone in that room. So they weren't expecting the girls to be there. Um, Earlier in the episode, you know, when they're trying to figure out if Eleven is going to be, you know, a a good member for their group, uh, she tells them that she has killed before, which is true. We saw her kill those two guys at the lab who were trying to throw her into her cell. Right. We saw that in flashback last season. And, uh, of course, she killed Hillary Clinton and her people. That's right. Yep. (laughs) So we've seen her kill, but it's completely different, um, to, to kill in those situations where you're being attacked, uh, versus going out and hunting someone down and, and killing them. So I just was really, really glad. And and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit more. We, we kind of, today we're kind of doing things a little bit differently. We're we're kind of working through the episode and then we'll kind of give some of our overview thoughts, but uh, there's a, there's a distinction there. So I was glad that that was a line that she was not willing to cross here, particularly since the girls are in the apartment. Yeah. That'd be really scary to like find your dad or grandpa or whoever was dead. Yeah, Totally. So then they like escape and stuff. So Funshine and Dottie play cards and then Axel's kind of playing with them. And then Mick is like watching out for people, like just staring out the window. And then um, it goes to Eleven and Callie in the room talking about how the kids and like how Callie escaped from the lab. So that's when Callie makes Eleven see Brenner. So what are your thoughts on, on what Callie did, that whole scene there with Callie and Brenner and Eleven? I think it was despicable. <laughs> Reads your note. <laughs> what did you think about it? I thought it was kind of rude how she made her see Brenner because she knows how she feels about him. 
But at the same time, she's, like, trying to get in her head and, like, not... She's not trying to hurt Eleven. She's just, like, kind of pushing her. So, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I read it a little bit differently. Like I like you read my, you read my note here. My note is that I, I thought it was despicable. I think she's trying to manipulate Eleven. Is she trying to just kind of help her understand the bigger picture because she's older and wiser and all that stuff? I mean, I think there's some of that that's going on. But I really just think she's trying to, to, I mean, when she makes Eleven see Brenner, you see how Eleven freaks out, um, yelling for him to go away, make it go away and stuff like that. I don't know. I just thought it was really cruel. And Kali is just not a good person. <laughs> she's just trying to manipulate Eleven the entire episode and turn her into something that she's not. And maybe, maybe something that Kali wasn't either at her age and she thinks that 11 the sooner she can kind of develop those harsh feelings and calluses then the better but i don't know i just thought it was really terrible of Kali to do that to her yeah um so then it goes back to them like flying cards and they're like come on mick play with us um it's like one time so then mick like looks away from the window and then all the policemen start raiding the building and of course, like the one time she looks away. Right. But it was super cool how uh, Kali is able to make them like all, make all the cops think that they're not even there. Like the room is like empty. That was that was awesome. I didn't I didn't like I didn't see that coming. Like because all we've seen to this point is her be able to make one person. Right. We hadn't seen her do multiple people up to that point, had we? Um, I don't think so. In the first episode, like the the one cop saw the bridge collapse. The other one was like, what are you doing? In this episode, it was the bathroom guy or the, the gas station guy. Uh, she made Axel think he saw spiders. She made Elle think she saw a butterfly. Uh, she made Elle think she saw a Brenner. So it's only been one person. So anyway, I just thought it was super cool. Yeah. And then, then like later... She makes everyone see like a wall building, but yeah. that's like later in the episode. Right, right. So Eleven's like revisiting some old uh, memories from Hawkins and she sees Hopper and Mike. So I think this is the one it is. And then she starts like screaming for Mike. And then that's when the police enter the building. Right. Um. And Yeah, because she heard the banging and thought it was Hopper. It worked really well the way they the way that they blended these two scenes together, right? She heard the banging, which we think is probably the Demogorgon creatures, and it's actually the police busting down the door. Yeah. Yeah, that was really that was a great segue. Yeah, and then that's when Callie makes it look like they're not in the room. I thought I wanted to see what it would be like if a police men actually like walked into like where one of them was standing. Yeah. And like see if they would feel it or not. I don't know. Yeah. And not only like she, they couldn't see them, I mean, because one of them was smoking a cigarette. So that means that she was able to completely mask their perception of anything, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's really powerful, really cool. Yeah. She has, she has some pretty cool powers. Yeah. So then Eleven and like the rest of them, they like start making a escape, making an escape. And then um, Callie is like building the wall. And 
and like making it look like she's building like the wall up and 11 decides not to go with them and like whenever that happens the wall just starts like falling apart and she just 11 takes off running yeah and 11 says she can like save her friends and hawkins even though they can't save her yeah it's a good moment for her and this is the defining moment um this is where 11 decides who she's what path she's going to take and loved it. Absolutely loved this part where she runs down the alley as they kind of make their getaway with guns blazing and bullets ricocheting off the van. I mean, it was really, you know, a night and day type of differences to the past that each of them were choosing. Yeah. So final scene is back on the bus, right? She's heading back to Indiana yeah, and like the nice ladies talking to her. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, by the way, I love the transition of Callie in the van yeah, with her I, face reflecting. I liked that. And then, yeah, and then 11 in the bus. They're both just like sadly staring out the window and yeah. it kind of just like another transfers. super transition. What do you think of the lady on the bus, though? Do you trust her? Is she just a nice lady? I don't know. It was like came out of nowhere that she was just super nice. I don't know. I don't. You don't trust anyone in the show. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> You're right. I want to trust her. I want to think that she's just being this motherly, grandmotherly figure, but I don't know. Why are you putting your head There's down? There's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> it's not funny. I just can't trust people in TV. <laughs> Leaves the car unlocked literally everywhere. <laughs> I trust people in real life, just not on TV. All right. Well, it's probably nothing. I'm just saying. Exactly. She seems suspicious to me. I think I think she's nice and she's just a good person. So time for the episode rating. No more talking about your. <laughs> I have one question for you before we get into that. And and, and again, we're going to talk more about the episode during our, uh, our our listener feedback. So we've got a lot of discussion there that we've we've kind of wrapped into that. So Terry seems to have sent 11 looking for eight. Why do you think she did that? Just so she could like reconnect with someone from her past that her mom knew. Okay. Do you think that Terry knew anything about Eight's current activities or state of mind? Probably not. Okay. So you don't think that Terry sent Eleven up there to kind of have this life-changing moment? She was really just to go find this other person who yeah. might be in the same state as her or, or, or went through the same things that she went through as a child. Yeah. And it also kind of helped 11, like discover who she really is. So, yeah, but that's what I'm asking. Like, did Terry send her up there knowing that that would happen? Or was it really just to try to connect with someone from her past? I think it's just trying to connect with someone. Yeah, I do too. Cause I don't think Terry's got the abilities. She might, she might be able to see into the void and understand what's going on with eight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's impossible, but I, I just think she, I don't think it was quite that uh, insightful. Okay. Addie, episode rating? 10 new looks, like the edgy kind. Okay. Well, I felt like it was only fitting to give this episode an 11, so I gave it 11 bus tickets. You can't one up me. <laughs> Let's see. 100 new looks. Oh. You mean point one zero zero new looks? You can't just do that. <laughs> you, you change my rating all the time if it's not what you want it to be. 
point zero 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 one one. Okay, fine. <laughs> there are more zeros than that. I know. I'm not reading Let's all those zeros. zeros. All right. Well, we are going to listen, uh, take the listener feedback and, and talk about this episode a whole lot more. But before we do that, let's listen to this promo for another Golden Spiral Media podcast. It's uh, Aero Squad. Hey, this is Martin Flash. And I'm Cami the Chameleon, and we're the hosts of Aero Squad. Join us here each Saturday during Aero season for all the info and conversation about all of Star City's heroes. And villains. We'll be covering the highs. Oh man, did you see Dinah tonight? Once again, the stunt choreography was fantastic. And the lows. Now, if I could just be salty Cami for a second... We'll be answering all your questions. And sharing all your thoughts and theories about what's going down with Team Arrow. So join us here each week. We are the Arrow Squad. All right. Addy, let's do some uh, listener feedback. Are you ready? I moved my head. Yeah. Did you like how I didn't embarrass you this week by uh, dancing? Mm, you can dance if you want. I don't really care. I can dance if I want to. <laughs> that doesn't mean you can replay it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to quote lyrics from the Men Without Hats song. <laughs> Addie had her, as we mentioned earlier in our episode, Addie had her, her winter formal last night. So I started quoting lyrics from that song and uh, she didn't know it. And so I made her sit through the video for men without hats the safety dance you have any commentary you'd like to add about that 80s song it was it was the weirdest (laughs) video i have ever seen it was weird but like low-key lit so (laughs) like low-key from thor (sighs) that's right Okay, let's get into the listener feedback. We've got some great contributions this week. And I know, Addie, you are chomping at the bit as it is uh, to get this first one taken care of. Hi, Ben again here for episode seven. Eleven with her mask is scary as heck. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, this episode is my favorite slash least favorite. Favorite for the story, least favorite because it only focuses on one group of people. Anyway, until next time, stay strange. Yeah, I also I agree with that because I don't like how it only focused on Eleven the whole time. I think we could have had some Mike and Dustin. Mm-hmm. Not Steve. What? Not Steve. Wow, that's harsh coming from someone who's clearly Team Steve. No! All right. All right. Thank you, Ben. Here's some audio from Corey. Hey, Eddie and Daryl. Corey from Australia with some feedback on Stranger Things Season 2, Episode 7. You know, I've seen a lot online that people don't seem to like this episode, and I don't really get it, you know? A lot of people just saying, like, oh, you know, it's diverging away from the main story, or, hey, it shouldn't have been played at Episode 7, like, it throws off the whole rhythm. And I disagree. I think this is a really fantastic episode. We get more development of Eleven, 
who is our main character. And I think that's really important because I think she really needed to be taken out of this bubble that was put around her. You know, she's not just how Mike and the boys see her, some experiment gone wrong with superpowers friend of theirs. I think it was important that she be able to develop as a person and know herself as a human being and and, and try to grow as an individual. And I think tracking down Callie was an important part of that, being that she is a sister. And then at the end, having to make the choice of, yes, I am going to go back because I can save my friends. You know, that is a very strong character moment, in my opinion. And it doesn't mean that it's over between Elle and Callie. They do find out from Ray in this episode that Papa is still alive, and I believe that to be true. So I think that they are going to have to get back together at some point and probably face off against Papa. As for Callie and her band of misfits, I thought that was really cool as well. You know, I kind of got a Warriors vibe off it. It's a movie that I love. And the fact that they all have their own, you know, sort of nicknames, I guess, you know, like Funshine. And they give Elle her own kind of nickname, which is Shirley, which I think is very funny. I think it's, yeah, I think it's an all round good episode. And I, you know, it, it hasn't ruined the pace of the show for me at all. You know, I think shows like this need to take a step back sometime and, and really do just, uh, you know, an individual episode to really let a character breathe and and develop. So yeah, an A plus for me. I think this was excellent. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about his thoughts? I also kind of agree with that one. I mean, I like how it had 11 like the whole time because I mean, you do see a lot of character development, but I also don't like it because it's only one character the whole time for 40 minutes. And I don't know. I think they they could have put in some diversity, but I don't know. I I like it. Yeah. And also don't like it at the same time. Yeah. I completely agree with Corey's take on this. I, I, what There was something about it. When I finished watching this episode for the first time, it was just... It was wonderful. I was just like, wow, this episode was... So good. I didn't know it was coming. I had heard somewhere, you know, again, I try to stay spoiler free, uh, but I had heard there was an 11 centric episode and had completely forgotten that I'd even heard that. And so I had no expectation of it being uh, this episode and was completely blown away with it. When it, when it wrapped up, I was just, I loved it. I immediately gave it the 11 bus tickets and didn't come down off of that when I watched it again. You know, and I've got some other comments from our Facebook thread that I'll, I'll be sharing in a little bit, but, but I'll just say right now that I completely agree with Corey uh, and I uh, thought he said it perfectly. All right. Uh, this next feedback comes in from Nathaniel and he says, first of all, I wanted to say that I enjoyed this episode. I do feel like it was the weakest episode so far in both seasons but only because it halted the momentum of the season. There was also one big logical error I noticed, and I'm not sure how to rectify it. At the beginning, we see Becky's calling Flo and the Hawkins police about, quote, another girl. Does Becky not think Elle is Jane? Because I thought she realized this as soon as Elle physically unlocked her door, and Becky's actions seem to confirm this. Because of Becky's actions, I didn't think she would call, and I don't get why she would call in the first place. It seemed to me 
that it was a hasty way to get 11 out of Becky's and onto Chicago. Other than that, I really like the episode. The Stranger Things universe is expanded literally and figuratively. Eleven has an awesome makeover, and Kylie has uh, awesome powers. Millie Bobby Brown shines as always. One of the big cons- uh, one of the big complaints I noticed about the episode was the apparent shallowness of Kylie's gang. They were rather one dimensional, but that didn't bother me. I think that was on purpose. I thought they were supposed to be the shallow shells of former people. From what I gathered, Kali's quest for revenge has passed into the minds of her gang through some sort of psychic manipulation, which is why they are the way they are. They do not have any redeemable characteristics, but I don't think they were supposed to. So in that sense, I liked the gang. Either way, this episode was fun, action-packed, and well-acted. One more thing. This is my third time going through the season, but this is the first time I noticed this. It's probably nothing. But while Elle is in the void after her makeover, when she sees Hopper and Mike, I noticed she turns in fear and trepidation as if she saw something. The moment is right after Mike vaporizes in the void after screaming, it's a trap. What did she see? Anywho, I am excited to get into the season's finale. I may or may not have 200 plus stranger memes saved on my, I'm sorry, stranger memes saved on my phone, which some may or may not find themselves on the Facebook page as the season wraps. And that again comes in from Nathaniel. Cool. Yeah. We, we thought that opening scene with Becky was weird too. Um, I'm not sure if our discussion helped you out on that or not. I thought Addie had an idea about it that I certainly didn't. So I don't know. Anything else to add on that? No. Um, I was just Googling because I remember the episode site. There was like a video where the episode titles um, were like previewed. So everybody could go like watch a video and it had all the episode titles for season two. And there was one called The Lost Brother. Not the lost sister. So I think Callie's character was originally supposed to be a boy. And after like doing some research on this one website called Sci-Fi Wire mm-hmm. uh, or Sci-Fi.com, um, it said that yeah, she was supposed to be like the like a thirty-year-old man is like a much older brother. But yeah, I was trying to. I think his name was supposed to be. Roman, I heard somewhere. I couldn't remember. I was trying to find the name. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that would explain it. I saw some, um, after we watched season one, I did some looking around to see what the character's name was, and I saw it listed as two different things, and one was, I think, Roman, and that really confused me. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I think it works better as uh, not only a, a girl, but a, a, a younger girl. I mean, older than L, but much younger than 30. So I think it worked better this way. Yeah. I'm going to see how Lena is. Although we got a comment in the Facebook chat right now as we're f- during our live show from Autumn. And she says, do you think we'll meet the others? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, and 10. And I mean, I think there's a chance of that. Um you know, a 30 year old person would obviously be the, you know, would be a, a smaller number, one of the earlier ones. I think there's a good chance that some of them died, though. Some of their early experiments probably were not successful and they ended up killing the person. So I don't think that all 
one through 11 are still alive. I think that maybe even half of them are dead, but certainly there's the possibility that they are alive, all of them, and uh, even more possible that several of them are alive and we'll meet them at some point. Linnea is actually 24, so she's pretty close to 30. <laughs> As a 24-year-old, I'm th- I don't think she would say that. Let's, uh, let's listen to this one. It's from Justina. Hi, Daryl and Addie. It was really nice to get an 11-centric episode and to learn the identity of eight and learn more about her. But man, it was hard to have a whole episode away from the town of Hawkins when I know that there's a monster climbing out of the abyss right now. 1984 references in this episode, Supermarket Sweep, which was a popular game show at that time. Axel refers to that in the Gas and Go scene. Then Ray is watching Punky Brewster, which was one of my favorite shows to watch after school. And Funshine was wearing a Care Bears mask when they went to Ray's house. This episode gets 9 out of 10 beautiful butterflies. Poll question for this week. Eleven is on her way back to Hawkins to save her friends. My question is, will Kali ultimately follow her to help rid Hawkins of its shadow monster problem? Let me know what you think and have a great week. That's a great question. Uh, I had not even thought about that uh, possibility. I love that idea. I know, Addie, you know the answer to this. I mean, originally, earlier in the season, and even last week, I, I don't think I verbalized it last week, but... I think I did at some point, you know, now that we see there's all of these demi creatures out there, the shadow monster seems to be just completely this massive thing that we're not even close to being able to figure out. We have two episodes left. My, my thought earlier in the season was, yeah, eight's going to have to come to Hawkins or somehow get connected because it's going to require all of them or both of them working together uh, to defeat this thing. So, I hadn't thought about that again since watching this episode, though. Ah, that would be awesome. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say I I don't know. I don't know. I'll say yes. By the way, the uh, poll question last week was, will Dart protect Dustin? And two-thirds of the folks said no, and one-third said yes. Not looking good for Dustin to be able to trust can I? Can I guess? No, you can't guess. You know the answer. Darn. All right. You want to take the next email? Okay, so Linda... Linda is lost, says... Okay, someone has to jump into this, so I will. Being black, during this time, schools were... Inter... Integrated? (laughs) Integrated. I can speak, Um, but it was rare to see a group that included a black kid. The schools were integrated, but the kids pretty much were not. We are presented with four kids uh, who do indeed their ways through life together. As an audience, we notice this is not normal for the times, and not until Max and her stepbrother, question mark, arrive in the town, we are alerted to a possibility of a racial side story. In this episode, we see Elle looking for her sister, whom she describes as different. When she ends up in Chicago and finds her, no one questions their relationship. This is your sister? How come she's white? (laughs) Weird. Elle has no memories of black versus white, so she 
sees the differences by description only. Her sister is very different, more in behavior than in color. When the lady moved to sit beside her on the bus, I, I had to wonder if she was really Lucas's mom or her sister's mom, uh, which would, of course, make her someone's aunt. Egad, I love the show. So, yeah, I love this, Linda. You know, I tried to express a little bit on the race thing earlier. Um, you know, I grew up in the tiny town, as, as I've said. Uh, there were 30, about 35 people in my graduating class. There were no black kids in my graduating class. There were a couple of black kids either grade above me or, or below me. And I don't, I don't know that I ever had black kids in my class. Never in, had any Indian kids. There was... I don't recall any Asian kids. There were there were Hispanic kids. There were Native American kids. It was about as diverse as as it got, you know, for me. So I love. I like I said. I, that's one of the things I love about Addie and where she's at now. Of course, obviously, times have changed in diversity. But we also go to a large school. A lot of her friends are different ethnicities, and it's it's uh, you know the the environment that she lives in. But I love that you kind of help us understand. I know I know Linda. One of these days, you Addie, you have to meet Linda. She's just amazing. Colby's had the chance to meet her when we were in Atlanta. Hopefully you'll get to one of these days. But I love that you're lending your perspective because I was a kid, right? I I wouldn't even notice these things probably. But Yeah, I didn't I didn't even notice the race thing. I was just like, okay. Because yeah. that's like completely normal. So Linda lending her insights as to what life was like back in the eighties with race in small towns especially is is really insightful. So uh thank you very much. Okay, now we've got quite a quite a bit of discussion that came in via Facebook. Addie, how do you want to handle these? Do you want to alternate back and forth like we normally do? Sure, I'll start. Okay. So Jeff Childs, it should be children, um, <laughs> says, It was definitely a different episode. I liked it, but I still wonder if it was necessary. Was it just to help Eleven with her powers? Question mark. Reads the question mark. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Is that Was that the only purpose? Of the episode, or yeah, maybe I think one it was of the kind primary of purposes. Character development. Yeah. Okay, your turn. Okay. Ben Crane says, "I've been waiting for this thread. I thought the episode itself was very good and an interesting storyline. I don't like the placement within the season. We ended the previous episode with a huge cliffhanger in Hopkins. I think maybe could have just been a typo, probably an autocorrect thing. Yeah. Um, for me." That took away from this episode with Eleven. I don't. I didn't care as much about this storyline now because I'm anxious to get back to our full band of heroes back home. I understand they set it up this way to have Eleven see Mike and Hopper in trouble, thus forcing her decision. However, I would have liked to see a similar resolution with this sidetrack story much earlier in the season. That would have given this story more impact when things weren't yet out of control in Hawkins and brought Eleven back into the fold sooner rather than at the very end. So I responded to that and said, I agree that the, you going to read me? You're looking at, she just gave me the look. Okay. You going to read me? Mm-hmm. All right. I started first so I could read yours. Oh, okay. And I didn't want to read the long one that Ben said. So. Okay. So, um, some weird person that has like the same first and last name <laughs> says, um, I agree that the placement of this episode could have been better, but with a nine episode story arc, it's tough. <laughs> I thought 
This was a critical character development piece for Elle. She is now who she is as a person because she has chosen it. No one has chosen it for her. That's really important and liberating. As a person who has been imprisoned her entire life, she needed that. The whole episode would have played better if it was told over a three-arc series. But as I said, the short season doesn't allow that. Of course, they can make as many episodes as they want. I'd rather they'd given us 12 episodes and told the story at a better place. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's are my thoughts. I thought, I think that here's what I don't get. People are complaining that this interrupted the pacing that it took them, uh, took away the momentum. You know, that's what Ben said. He used that word uh, and different things like that. Right. And I, and I get that, but as a person, me, as a person who's watching this one week at a time, and not binging the season like most people do, I don't get that complaint. In other words, it's not like you watched this episode and then had to wait a week before you got back to Hawkins. What it means is you watched this episode, so that meant you had to wait 50 minutes before you figured out before you got back to Hawkins. Most people are watching this as a long movie, essentially. And so that's yeah. why I'm confused as to why people are complaining about the placement or the momentum or something like that, because you're binging it. Nothing is preventing you. It's just, a, it's just an episode. It, 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 I don't know. I don't get it. So for me, as a person who is forcing themselves to wait a week between, and I loved it, you know, that's where I'm having the problem seeing that other point of view. Not to say it's invalid. And, you know, I'm just having a hard time understanding that. Now, like I said in my feedback there, I think if you take this story arc, you include all these scenes, but instead of making it happen over a 24-hour period, you extend it to a week. She's in Chicago for a week, and you tell these same stories and put these same scenes over a three-episode arc. Now you've got I think you you've got a richer, fuller, more understandable experience of what's happening in Chicago. And you can also... Like you water it down? No. Like, you have, like, less details in one episode and, like, spread all of them over... Yeah, so you spread it out over three episodes. So and you water now, it down. No, because then you don't get an episode with no Eleven, like we had last week, and yeah. you don't get an episode with no Hawkins, like we got this week. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really notice that Eleven wasn't in the last episode, but I did notice that, you know, there was no Hawkins. Except for at the very beginning when she was at Becky's house. Yeah, but that didn't include all the other characters. Yeah. So. Okay, well, that's that's my two cents on that. Linda commented and she said, "I totally love the episode. It had to be, and I think there, I think this was the perfect place. Could we have done without it altogether? Probably, but it made Eleven so much more important in her relationship with the boys as well. I totally agree with that." Okay, so Jeremiah Panhorst says, um, do you think it, this episode would have been better placed in position 8 instead of uh, episode 7? What do you think? I don't know. I don't remember what episode 8 was about. Oh, wow. Okay. I well, mean, I I would know if I like 
watched it because I, I remember episode nine. I just don't really remember episode eight that much. Okay. Well, I said, I don't think I can answer that fully until I've seen eight or even episode nine, you know, so I can see the whole episode or season in context. But I also said without seeing those, I'd say no. Uh, to have it placed as eight would mean that she presumably would come in and save the day in episode nine. And I think she needs an episode to reestablish herself in Hawkins, find out what's going on, and set up the season finale. I'd rather have had it as, as episode six than episode eight. So placing it once before or one slot before than one slot after. Uh, but as I said earlier, I'd really rather have seen this as a three episode arc in a 12 episode season. Yep. So then um, Jeremiah says again, Daryl, I agree. I just feel like I would have enjoyed the episode more if it was in a different position. Uh, Rebecca commented and said, I heard it's getting a lot of hate, which I don't understand. I thought it was powerful and needed for Eleven's development. She has power over her life now, and that's awesome. Like in The Iron Giant, you are who you choose to be. And Kelly says, for me, I liked the episode, but I didn't really like the other characters in the group. They all felt one-dimensional. Yeah, we heard that one-dimensional comment earlier in a feedback, and that feedbacker said that they felt like they were one-dimensional, but that they were also being controlled by Kali to be that way. What do you think about that idea? Were they kind of being manipulated like she was trying to do with Elle? Or yeah. were they, or was that truly who they are? I think she was kind of manipulating them. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, you know, what are we going to do with, with Kali? I know you can't say whether or not we're going to see her again, but do we want to see her again and hopefully help her have a change of character? Or are we done with, or are you okay to be done with her? I want to see her again, maybe in season three. Or maybe like later. I don't know. Because I don't want to be completely done with her, but. I don't know. I don't want to just like kick her out of the show. Yeah, I I don't either. I want to see her again. I would. I'm glad we got to see her again. I said last week, you know, she was kind of our Chekhov's gun, uh, one of the Chekhov's guns we've had this season. But as important as she was in helping Elle become who she is going to be, I would still hope that we get to see her again. All right. Well, that's the feedback that we got for this episode. Lots of great discussion over on our Facebook page. That's one of the ways that you can send in feedback for our podcast. We love including your thoughts as part of our episodes each week. And we also love giving Addison the opportunity to tell you how you can do that. So you can send in your feedback at 304-837-2278 or our feedback page, which is goldensboromedia.com slash feedback. Um, you can follow us on our social media. Our Instagram is Stranger Things GSM. Our Twitter is Upside Down GSM. And our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash groups of Stranger Things GSM. You know, in spite of your efforts to make that impossible for people to understand and thus join us, we, we are getting new people over in our group every single day. So are you ready for the quote of the week, Addie? Yeah, the quote of the week is get out of my head. And Eleven says that. You're now faced with the same choice, Jane. Go back into hiding and hope they don't find you. Fight and face him again. Face who? The man who calls himself our father. 
Papa is dead. That man tonight disagreed. You're not real. All this time, and you haven't looked for me. Why? Because you thought I was dead? Or because you were afraid of what you might find? Go away. You have to confront your pain. You have a wound, Eleven. A terrible wound. And it's festering. Do you remember what that means? Festering. It means a rot. rot. And it will grow. Spread, spread. Get out of my head. And eventually, it will kill you, kill you, kill you, kill you. Get out of my head! Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, and I was talking about the one with her screaming, not the one where she whispers it. Because she says it, get out of my head twice. And the so screaming I, one sounds a lot more cooler. So more I pulled cooler. the wrong spot, is that what you're saying? No. Oh. Because like, in the segment you just played, she says, get out of my head twice. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the second time where she screams it. Oh, gotcha. All right, you ready to talk about some news? So have you looked at this first headline yet? No, I still haven't. All right. Time for you to scroll down and read it. Oh, I knew about that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, read it anyway. Okay. Did you finish the latest season of uh, Netflix's Stranger Things? Wait, 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 wait. wait. You didn't read the headline or tell where it's from. I'll do that later. (laughs) And are impatient to see what happens next. You might have to wait a bit longer than expected. A new interview with Variety. Um, David Harbour says the next season might not premiere uh, on the streaming service until 2019. This comes from TheVerge.com. The title is Stranger Things Season 3 might not debut until 2019. Netflix has already uh, ordered a third season for the show, but Ross and Matt Duffer are still working on the season's scripts, according to Harbour. And he adds that they likely won't begin filming until April. Like any good thing, he says, uh, Ross and Matt need time. And those guys work so hard. I mean, they just sit in their apartment and write for 12, 14 hours a day. Dang. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I saw something that said late 2018 or early 2019. So that's how I already knew about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I knew that it was going to be late 2018, but then, I mean, even if it's January 1st, I mean, you got that 2019 date on there, so it just seems like it's further away, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sooner the better. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Today. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This next one comes from Variety.com, and the headline is, Netflix sets massive overall deal with Stranger Things producer Sean Levy. You finally said his name right. I did. I took the time, which I should have done from the beginning, to research his name. So my apologies, Sean, for not doing that prior to. (laughs) Like he's going to listen to this. (laughs) He might, hopefully. Uh, So this... uh, this says Netflix has set a mega bucks overall TV deal with Stranger Things producer Sean Levy. The deal, believed to run for four years, calls for Levy to develop TV 
projects exclusively for Netflix. As a part of the agreement, former ABC and firm executive Josh Berry has joined Levy's 21 Laps Entertainment as president of TV. Netflix's Pact with Levy marks another bold investment in a top creative by Netflix, which is expanding its influence into production by setting overall deals directly with showrunners such as Shonda Rhimes and Jinji Cohen. Levy's pact is said to be an eight-figure deal in total. And this is a quote, Sean and 21 Laps are courageous and adept storytellers who lean into risk both narratively and by nurturing great young talent. And that's from Cindy Holland, VP of original content for Netflix. She goes on to say they have an admirable track record for telling ambitious stories that have incredible heart and which resonate with audiences all over the world. So that's awesome. We've loved his stories here on stranger things. So looking forward to hearing more from Sean and uh, 21 laps. Yeah, I only knew how to pronounce his name because it's in Stranger Things Beyond or Beyond Stranger Things. Oh, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And I still have only watched a couple minutes of the first episode. And I need to continue it, but the laptop is dead. So. Yep. Well, I will be watching it after I finish the season, which will be a week from today. Because after I edit this episode, I'll get to watch episode eight, which we will then record that episode, our podcast episode a week from today. And then I'll get to finish watching the season after that. Cool. That's amazing. I'm so happy. I don't care. <laughs> Great. Do you feel joy? Unloved is what I feel. Oh. Do you have uh, one other news item you want to mention? We unboxed out Loot Crate. <laughs> or our Loot Crate if I didn't have typos in our notes. Yep. Anything you want to say about that? It was pretty cool. You should watch the video. Yep. We did the live unboxing on our Facebook page, which is? www.facebook.com slash group slash things. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, there's a video for that. It was cool. Lots of good stuff in there. So, go check it out. All right, Addie, I think we're almost to the end. It's time for the meme of the week. But before we do that, meme, meme we can't the, get out of here. It's time for the meme of the week. Until we do the meme of the week. The, the, of the, the week. Meme. <laughs> Every time you play that, I just hear it over and over again because of the time you kept cutting me off with the music. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. You did like a lot, like a couple like. <laughs> That's a couple episodes ago and you just kind of doing that over it. I don't know what you mean. I never do that. All right. What do you have for us this week? So this is a picture of Steve on one side and then Shooketh Finn on the other side. And um, the caption is season two, Steve. Don't talk to me or my son or my other son or my daughter. or And it just like cuts off because that, that was a meme. And it was like, don't talk to me. Or my son ever again. Um, and, you know, it's just calling him out for being a mom again. Got it. Yeah. I, I meant to say when when uh, Eleven has that flashback to some of those scenes in season one, she's our friend and she's crazy. And, and when uh, some of the other scenes with her and Mike, I mean, by this, by now, we talked 
early in the season about how much everyone had grown up between season one and season two. But here we are in the middle of season two or nearly towards the end. And I've just kind of grown accustomed to how they look. So to see those flashback scenes of how they looked back in season one. Yeah, I was just like, all my children. (laughs) No, they look like little babies. It's so cool to see how much they've grown in just a year. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of growing things, we would love to have you part of the ever-growing Golden Spiral Media (laughs) Network. You can... uh, Help us uh, grow the podcast by telling other people about the podcast. So be sure and tell a friend this week. We would appreciate that. And, you know, get in touch with us. Tell us what your thoughts are about next week's episode and join us uh, over on our social media fronts. Addie, why don't you give them the deets on that? So you can send in your feedback at 304-837-2278. And um, our feedback page, goldensboromedia.com slash feedback. And you can keep the conversation going on social media. And our Instagram is Stranger Things GSM. Our Twitter is Upside Down GSM. And our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash group slash Stranger Things GSM. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring this episode to a close. It's been fun, Addie. Well, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope you'll join us next week. And until next time, stay strange.